Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church on this Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Well, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Let's stand and praise the name of the Lord.
like you mean it this morning. How many are ready to fly away? Let me see your hands. All right. You know let's what? Go, but that last go. verse there was when I die. I don't want that part. I want to hear the trumpet sound. Amen. And just like Cape go. Canaveral, just whoop, take off. <laughs> all right. How many are with me on that, huh? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Listen, we're glad to have you all here. We have a retired, sort of almost pretty close to retired Navy chaplain here, Mr. Brad, not Mr. Uh, what was your rank? Admiral? Uh, well, Mr. Bradshaw, Commander Bradshaw and his lovely wife, Cheryl. We're so glad. Mr. Bradshaw, Commander Bradshaw, would you come and lead us in a word of prayer? Uh, if you're retired, can you still pray? <laughs> come on up here. He's going to use this red mic, Sean. So let's welcome the Bradshaws back to First Baptist Church. God bless you, my friend. You can give a little testimony if you want to. I knew I had to be ready with you there. <laughs> Well, it's beautiful to see everyone here and, and what God's done um, here at First Baptist Coronado. We left about five years ago. A lot of new faces, but a lot of, a lot of growth and, uh, with discipleship and new growth. So awesome. Thank you for this opportunity. Let's go before the throne of grace with confidence. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this moment and this time to come before your throne with confidence because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and then from the grave for our lives to redeem us, to rescue us, and for what that means uh, here in the here and now, but also for the future we just uh, sang about. So in this time that we have, I pray that we'd all be able to put aside any um, distractions and focus upon you, the audience of one, and hear from your servant uh, in the word and worship and song through giving and all the things that we do as a community of believers that we can so easily uh, reconnect because of the relationship through your son, Jesus Christ. So may you receive all glory and honor and praise for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, Robert. Thank you so much. I don't, you may be seated. I don't know how many of you know this, and probably he doesn't want me to say anything about it, but I'm going to, uh, Captain, Commander, rather, Bradshaw, uh, has an incredibly wonderful reputation within the military community, in particular with the SEAL community where he served in his last assignment here, out here, before he went uh, back east. And uh, he, I've talked to so many people that say, you know Robert Bradshaw? Oh, yeah, he's the, he's the real deal. So thank you for being the real deal in the uh, U.S. Navy. We appreciate that. Let's give him a hand again. God bless you. Not everybody ends well, you know that? Not everybody does. Uh, he started out well and ended well, and we're thankful for that. I have, uh, also, I forgot, we need to pray for uh, Nadia Chatham and also for Tina Rock today. So would, would you join me as we pray for them? Father, we pray for Tina, we pray for Nadia. Lord, you know their situations, you know all about them. We pray that you would physically be their, uh, their healer you would be their great physician, that you would touch them, that God, what doctors are able to do that they can do, but what only you can do, you would do for them. Father, we lift them up and thank you for their faithfulness to you and for uh, the love that they show others in the name of Christ, which in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I probably should have prayed a, a prayer of thanksgiving for SDSU uh, <laughs> last night. <laughs> Yeah, the, the butler did it. That's right. All right. So, all right. Well, I have a whole bunch of announcements, so we won't be able to preach today. We're just going to give announcements. 
Not really. Uh, but I do want to mention several things. First of all, someone, oh, uh, is, is Sienna, would you get Sienna, please? Oh, Sienna, come on up here. Sienna was, uh, followed the Lord in believer's baptism just recently here at First Baptist Church. So this is her certificate proving to any and all who might inquire of her baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you. God bless you, Sienna. Glad for that decision. Let me go ahead and talk about this one. This is uh, an opportunity for ministry. And Monica, where are you? would you stand up so everybody know where you are? All right, turn around once. <laughs> she hates me now, all right? April the 8th, next Saturday, right? Uh, act, uh, they're going to Acrica Rolling Hill Ranch, Chula Vista. Meet outside 945, and then from 10 to 11 a.m., meet residents. What's the address there? It's, uh, do you have the address, or is it just Rolling Hill yeah, look it up real quick. Uh, and then 11 to noon, walk in the park. Every resident will get a stuffed animal. I'm supposed to show you stuffed animals. Here's, is that cute or what? Huh? Yeah. And there's another one down here. Uh, right here. Okay. So, and, so it's an opportunity to touch some lives of some people who otherwise might not have anybody to touch them and might be very, very lonely at this time. So every resident will get a stuffed animal, special made Easter card from... Uh, Natalia and, and Nadia, and then Fred Snyder will be playing the viol violin. Fred, oh, that's different, Fred. You're going to play the juice harp? No, never mind. <laughs> the butler did it, right? Okay. Also, someone asked me for uh, a, a Old Testament scriptures on how to try to witness to a, a Jewish person, lead a Jewish person to the Lord. I don't remember who it was because I'm old. And I don't remember anything from day to day, but here it is. If you're interested, if you're the one who asked for it, it's right here. And uh, may God bless you as you do so. If you're a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, thank you so much for coming. And please take one of these connection cards in the seat back in front of you. It gives you an opportunity on the back to write down a prayer request, maybe ask any questions you might have, whatever. And then when you fill this out, you can give it to us, or you can give it to our VIP guy, Gary, in the back, or you can put it in the offering box that's to the left of the double doors. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings. So uh, please fill that out. We're so glad that you've chosen to come visit with us. If you're watching by way of YouTube uh, or Facebook, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you'll come and see us in person one of these days. This is the day, Palm Sunday. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey and the people took off their articles of clothing, laid them on the ground in front as a sign of respect and, and as a tribute to royalty, they also took palm leaves and laid them down on the ground. In essence, uh, kind of making the road smooth, smoothing it out for the coming king. And just a very short time later, of course, he was crucified. So in our, since we're in a chronological study, I did not interrupt the chronological study for the Palm Study message exactly. We'll get there later on, uh, but Easter will be an Easter message. The, the passion of the Christ uh, will be what we're preaching on next Sunday, so we will interrupt the order of the chronology right there. We do have communion scheduled for today. If you did not get the elements, there's some on the back table. We will be passing them out a little bit later on as well. Uh, all active military invited to lunch on the patio Right after this service, we're so glad that you're here. Good Friday. Oh, we're reinstituting now the walk of the cross. Reinstituting that. So uh, it'll be this coming Friday. Uh, COVID kind of put a stop on that for a while. But we're going to meet here. This is the first station of the cross at 3.30. 
on Friday. So if you can be here a little before that, uh, we're going to go ahead and have that here. And then it'll go from here to, I think, six possibly other churches in Coronado. Spring cleanup this Saturday for a kind of deep cleaning for Easter to make everything spick and span and, and perfect as we possibly can. So bring your cleaning supplies and help us out from 9 a.m. till noon. Easter, we have two services scheduled, one at 8.30, one at 10.15. We have an overflow area on the patio. We'll be set up. Speakers were hung. We've got speakers that were hung here yesterday, much uh, because of uh, four or five guys that stayed uh, all day long and unexpectedly later in the day than we thought. And uh, we'll have speakers outside also set up and ready to go. They're actually hanging. They're just not hooked up yet. Uh, so we have overflow. We have two services. Bring your friends. Let's have a great time as we worship the Lord and recognize his resurrection. Uh, new member class and luncheon, April the 16th, free lunch. I want you to stick around if you're interested. You don't have to join if you don't want to after the luncheon, but you're invited to if you would like to. Uh, if you want to sign in, register for that, you can use one of these. Put your name and a contact phone number or email address uh, and put down one or two or however many it is for a new member class on April the 16th. Now, I'm very excited about a new uh, ministry opportunity that we have here at First Baptist Church. We've mentioned before how the ladies have Bible studies like every day of the week. You know, they, they're so spiritual. Uh, and, and you guys, you're a bunch of dogs. I'm telling you, you just, you know, we're like, uh, uh, but we're going to have an opportunity for Men of Resolution. We have Women of Resolution already meeting here on Friday mornings. Uh, Men of Resolution is going to meet on Wednesday nights, and they will be uh, meeting at 6 o'clock. Um, do you want the video first, Denny, or do you want to? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go ahead and show a short video, and then I'll introduce the fellows bringing Men of Resolution here. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation. When did you first think of yourself as a man? What? No, no, no. I mean, when did you first think, I'm a man now? <laughs> Come on, you can't be serious. We are not talking about this. No, you just, just humor me for a second. Think about it. Maybe when I moved out, when I turned 21, I, I don't know. So when you're legal? Yeah. What about you, Shane? I don't know. I mean, when I got my license, or my first job, I mean, what does it matter? Bobby? When my father told me I was, when I was 17, he had to leave for three months to do a job. He told me that he thought of me as a man. He wanted me to take care of the family. I'm learning that God wants me to call out the man and my son. All right, I'm going to introduce uh, Denny Kiefer, if you'd come and share a word uh, with our people about the opportunity that we have for them to be discipled. Morning, church. Thank you for this, uh, this opportunity. Uh, we had a great time yesterday uh, when we were here for the men's breakfast. And again, a, a big thanks to the fellows who uh, produced such a great meal. Um, you know, it compares nothing to the Denny's that I visit on a frequent basis. So uh, thank you for that. And then thank you. You know, uh, now for the opportunity to just, uh, you know, share with you real quickly um, the um, Movie and a Meal uh, kickoff event uh, on April uh, April 12th is for, you know, a small group study. 
we'll be able to, to give some information about the, the small group study, but we're inviting you know, all men to learn about biblical manhood. And the, the study inspires you know, bold embrace of, of manhood and, and leadership responsibilities. It also leads men to reconcile with their past, re-engage, and, and move forward with integrity. And so uh, this study you know, is a, is a wake-up call. And, and I think we need a wake-up call in our, our culture right now. And so this study is for all men. And when I say all men, I'm talking about teens on up. You know, there isn't any man in this uh, congregation, you know, that wouldn't be welcome. And, and we need this, you know, whether you're, you know, single, you know, you're dating, um, you know, whatever your, your status, you know, as a grandfather, father, you know, this is something that is so important. And, and I really hope that you would consider, you know, coming out and being a part of the small group study. But it starts with that, uh, that movie and a meal starting on the 12th. And then, ladies, I don't want to leave you out. We need you. We need you to be praying, you know, for the men in your life. Uh, we need you to, you know, be praying that your husbands, you know, and the fathers of your children, your sons, uh, family members, neighbors, uh, people that you love dearly within the congregation, you know, just be praying for them, you know, to, to come out to that movie and a meal and, uh, and get a taste for what this small group men's study is going to be all about. And so uh, it all starts here, April 12th. Thank you so much. I also need to pray for Laura Stecker. She's in the hospital at Balboa, so let's pray for her right now. God, you know Laura's needs. You know exactly what she needs. We pray that you'd help her temperature to be able to come down, her fever to, to, uh, to go away. And Father, that she would be able to be back work and back at home and back in church as she wants to be. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you're aware of every single need of every single person, no matter where we are, no matter how far away from home, no matter what the situation, God, you're just omniscient and you know all. So we thank you for that and pray your blessings upon her. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pass around. So I'm gonna ask you to be seated for this first song, if we can do that again. Uh, and, and this is for the Men of Resolution uh, Fellowship. If you're interested in, uh, in that, or at least you're gonna come to the 12th, okay? Uh, there's the movie and dinner we're gonna have. Uh, and we've, we've kind of tossed around having a beast feast for men, you know, no pizza, a beast feast. Maybe, I don't know, some raccoon or possum, <laughs> roadkill or deer or water buffalo or elephant. I don't know what. Uh, but we're going to pass this around. Guys, if you're interested, and you'll come the 12th, watch that movie, eat that beast that we're going to put out there for you. Uh, then make up your mind about whether you're going to join the, the small group study. We'd appreciate it. And while we're doing that, if you could kind of move in, leave some seats on the aisle because we're getting the signal that uh, we're, we're out of places to sit. So go ahead, and I'm going to pass this around. Let's, let's sing. We'll remain seated this time.
Let's all stand for the final worship song this morning.
one week to tell the world of the treasure that you found in the Lord Jesus Christ in order to bring them as your guest on Easter Sunday, it might make an eternal difference in their lives. So take it seriously. We have Easter invitations on the back table that you can give to your friends, neighbors, and fellow workers. I'm going to ask the young people, the children of First Baptist Church, to come on up here to the front. And parents, next week, take them right to their class when you get here. We're going to have all the seats set up here for all the adults that we can, but just take them right to their class. They'll meet in their classes, and we won't have the little story time that I enjoy so very, very much. How many of you boys and girls like playing outside? Let me see your hands. What's your favorite thing to do outside? To swing. You like swinging? Mm-hmm. Right. It's so fun. And what? Slides. slides. You like the slides? To play outside. What do you like? What do you like, hon? I said the scooters. The scooters. Those are fun. Yeah. What about you? That's a hard question. Yeah? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Oh, that's sweet. You like to go to your friend's house? All right. One time when I was about, how many here, is anybody here about seven years old? You're seven? Okay, you're seven? On my seventh birthday, I will be seven. On your seventh birthday, you'll be seven? That's great. So, so are you five right now? No, I'm six. Oh, you're six. Okay. When I was seven years old, I loved to go to my grandma and granddad's farm. It was in a foreign country called Kentucky. And I went down to Kentucky, and they had on their farm, they had cows, they had pigs, they had chickens, they had mules, they had barns. It was fun. And I ran around, and I played, and it was hot. And I was there for two weeks, and I didn't take a bath. My grandparents tried to get me. There was no indoor bathroom. And, and so you had this this tub that you were, this like wash tub that you're supposed to get in and you heat water on an old wood stove and you, you know, that's how you get warm water. And I didn't, I wasn't into that. So I didn't take a bath for two weeks in that hot running around. I stunk. It was bad. And so my aunt came down and she was visiting. She said, Jimmy, if you don't take a bath, I'm going to give you one. Suddenly I felt led of God to take a bath by myself. And you know, sometimes, sometimes our, our souls and our hearts get dirty because of sin. And you know what? We're supposed to bathe our heart. How do we do that? Does anybody know how you do that? Huh? Tell the truth. Tell the truth? Yeah, that helps. And you know what else we're supposed to do? We're supposed to pray. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer. Can, can you say it after me? I'm going to say a prayer. And this is just going to ask God to, to cleanse our hearts, Okay. So uh, let's bow our heads just for a moment. This will be our closing prayer. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes, and say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. And help me have a clean heart. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you know what? Whenever we do something wrong, We need to tell God, I'm sorry, and please forgive me, and ask him to to cleanse our hearts. Now, one of these days, some of you have already asked Jesus to be your Lord, your Savior, and to be your master, and to come into your life, and, and to live there, and maybe one of these days, all of you will. That's our hope, and that's our prayer.
So thank you for being in God's house today. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes, okay? Right over here. God bless you. Good deal. Thank you all, boys and girls. All right, again, this is Palm Sunday, not the text for today's message because of the chronological study that we're on. We started out not with the birth of Christ because that was the emphasis during the month of December, but we started out with his presentation in the temple, and then we went from that to uh, the flight to Egypt and then coming back home, and we talked about the temptation in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat and did not drink water, and he began uh, then after that by being baptized and being drawn into uh, public ministry, and people began being drawn to him. Uh, John, his cousin, said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And immediately some of his John's own disciples began following Jesus. Soon after that, Jesus performs his first miracle by turning water into wine. We talked about it being new wine. Uh, tune in to last week's service, and it's archived, and uh, I'm sure you'll be convinced. Um, uh, and, and then agreeing with what Peter would be inspired to write when Peter said, for the time has come, judgment must begin in the house of God. Uh, Jesus had a job to do at his father's house. So he goes from Cana, where he performed his first miracle, over to uh, the, 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 the next location, uh, which I can't remember where it was right now. But anyhow, uh, he went there to do the job, oh, to Jerusalem to cleanse the temple. And so it's important to keep the temple of God clean. It's important to keep uh, our temples clean because our temples are the, uh, the body of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if revival never comes to the United States, by the way, uh, Jesus' Revolution movie, if you haven't seen it, go see it. If you've seen it, go see it again. I did. Twice, and both times it was emotional. Both times it was amazing. Both times it was wonderful. But if revival never ever again comes to the United States of America, it won't be the fault of the LGBTQT plus crowd. It will not be their fault. If revival doesn't come to the United States of America ever again, it will not be because of the atheists in our country. It will not be because of the uh, abortionists and those who, who kill little babies in the womb. If revival doesn't come to the United States of America again in our lifetime, it'll be the fault of you and me, Christians, who've been satisfied to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And the greater problem today is that actually the, the world has moved into the church many, many times. Uh, same was true in Jesus' day, of course. So what did he do about it? Uh, April the 7th, approximately 28 to 30 A.D., here's what happened. In John chapter 2, beginning in verse 12, the impending Passover. And the NLT says it this way. After the wedding in Cana, he went to Capernaum, northeast of Cana, for a few days with his mother and his brothers and his disciples. And it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So he went up to Jerusalem. Now, he went really south to Jerusalem, uh, John keeps meticulous tracks of the miracles, uh, or, or rather of the feast days that were Jewish in particular in nature. And in, in addition to other feasts, he mentions the Passovers three times for certain in John 2 and John 6 and John 11, possibly a fourth time in John 5. So he, he really emphasized these feast times and the importance to them. The Bible says in King James that they went up into Jerusalem, uh, even though it was south, 
they went up because it was at a higher elevation. They also went up because it was the holy city. It was the high holy city of Israel. And just as people go up uh, to London from all over Britain, so they went up to Jerusalem for this Passover feast. And here John speaks of the cleansing of the temple. And he speaks of it in John chapter 2, obviously at the very beginning of his gospel. Now, you remember we said a week or two ago that John has a particular presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke kind of line up together more so with their chronology, with the events they record, with how they record them. They're called the synoptic gospels. They, they compose this body of truth, and John doesn't contradict he just has a different viewpoint, and he emphasizes that viewpoint oftentimes. And so he puts uh, this, this cleansing of the temple at the beginning. The synoptic gospels put the cleansing of the temple at the end. Maybe John sees it as prophetic. Uh, some commentators suggest there were actually two cleansings of the temple. Others say that's probably not the case. Uh, the timing may be uh, in question. Uh, the number of times it occurred may be in question. But what is not in question is the fact that it happened. He cleansed the temple. Now, the immediate problem is this. In verse 14, in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Now, what's the problem? I mean... Uh, these uh, doves and the cattle and sheep were legitimate sacrificial offerings. Uh, people coming from other countries, Jewish folks who came from other countries that had different currencies uh, would need to go ahead and exchange for the temple tax so that they would pay it in the correct currency. So what's the problem? Well, the problem is this, folks. One of the problems, sacrifice is to be sacrifice. Sacrifice is to be sacrificial. Uh, merchants sometimes in the temple area, the court area, would sell animals. And sometimes, uh, we learn from history, they would sell the same animal over and over and over again. Huh? They were kind of like the used car dealers. Of, uh, to, is anybody a used car? If, if so, that was purely coincidental. I didn't mean to say that. It's not in my notes, honest. But they would sell the same animal over and over and over, thereby uh, really uh, committing a fraud upon the, the temple sacrifice and sacrificial system. In other times, an unqualified animal might be submitted for the one, maybe one with blemish, uh, one with, uh, that was blind or not, didn't have their hearing or was lame or whatever. Those were prohibited from being sacrificial offerings, but perhaps uh, the merchants, not necessarily adhering to that, wanting to make a buck or two more, uh, would offer that kind of an animal instead of the other quality one. Still other times, they might be sold at inflated prices. The sacrifice in many times was not a real personal sacrifice. If you, if you had a few sheep, I, I don't even know what the average size of a, of a flock of sheep was, but if you had a few and you had to give up one of them, that's a sacrifice. And that's part of the price you're willing to pay to meet the obligation of the Old Testament covenant law. So sometimes by doing this, by going to Jerusalem and going in and dealing with a merchant, it reduced the, the sacrifice to that of convenience and ritual without meaning. Convenience and ritual. You didn't have to pick 
the best of your flock. You see what I'm saying? You didn't have to go into your flock. Pick the very best one. What? You can't get the puniest one. You can't get the run of the litter. You had to, you had to choose the very best one. Take. So this took that element out of it completely, and it became convenience, and it became a ritual, but it lost some meaning. So we need to beware of our Christianity becoming religious without power. We need to be careful that our religious that our belief system is not one of convenience and ritual only without power of God in it. I pray every Sunday. I pray several times through the week, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit when I preach on Sunday morning. I don't want the words that come out of my mouth to be from the source of Jim Bezos' heart. I don't want that. Jim Bezos' heart is not going to do you any good. It may do you harm. But I want the Holy Spirit to speak through me. And I want to have the power that only God can give us. So these, these stalls were set up that used to be set up in the Kidron Valley. That's where they used to set up. The, the merchants would set up their flocks and herds and, uh, and all of that. But now they were in the courtyard of the temple. In addition, the money changers were there converting coins into appropriate temple tax currency. Perhaps some of them were dishonest. Perhaps some of the, you know how it works. You go from here to England. You, you trade in some U.S. dollars for, uh, for the British uh, well, euro now, I guess. I don't. Think, I guess they don't do pounds now. They do pounds. Brexit, Brexit, right? Okay. Uh, so, but some, yeah. I remember going in one time to Korea about a mm, hundred years ago. I went into Korea and I took a hundred dollars U.S. and I had a stack of bills, four hundred and forty won. I thought, holy cow, I'm rich. And I went out and I bought something and it took like a fourth of the stack for like a, a piece of gum or something. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Uh, but, but they had to exchange it. But some of them perhaps would be dishonest, would cheat them and not give them a fair value. Now, note this. Having said all these things, having proposed all these possibilities, the text really doesn't imply there are any crooked dealings going on. Rather, just the fact that they took place in the courtyard as an offense to Almighty God. So I don't know if there was any shenanigans going on, but it happened and God was offended at it. They made that which was holy very common. Instead of going into the courtyard and hearing the prayers of the people and the worship of people, there was the bellowing of cattle and the bleeding of sheep. Instead of brokenness and contrition, instead of holy adoration, instead of the hosannas and hallelujahs and prolonged petition, there was noisy commerce. It was a marketplace. The temple of God had been converted to a marketplace. So what was the effect of prescription? Verse 15, Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple area, out of the temple courtyard. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, he scattered the money changers, coins over the floor, he turned over their tables, then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Now, when I, I, my whole life when I've thought of it, I chose this slide, I chose this because it's like, it's like, yeah, get out of here. And he's driving, and he's whipping it. Uh, but it may have been that he just made a whip that was common for driving animals anyhow. It may not have been something like this, but I prefer to think of it as something like this. It's holy indignation. Now, the difference is you're, in your anger 
and my anger and his anger is his is holy and righteous. Our anger isn't always that way. Sometimes it is. We were at the Ronald Reagan Library last, last week, and I love that place. Absolutely love that place. It's emotional. It is, it's amazing. The man that God put as president of this country at that point in time was just amazing. And, and the clips of his, some of his speeches and the text of some of his letters that he wrote, he, he, he said uh, something to the effect of when he was shot, uh, and almost died, and, and I don't think the public was really a, fully aware of how serious it was at that point in time, um, but he said since the time he was shot, he felt like every single day that God gave him was a day to serve God, that he'd do what God wanted him to do. As he went in to surgery, you all know, he said to the attending physician, I hope you're a Republican. And the, one of the astute doctors on the team very appropriately said, Mr. President, we're all Republicans today. That was a, that was a unified country, huh? That was, a, that was when things came together for us. And uh, so, uh, so it was an amazing thing to see. It was an amazing, and I don't know how it connected with us at all. But uh, <laughs> anyhow. More than likely, it was just driving the animals out. I had a good thought. It's just somewhere up there. And, <laughs> and so as he, as he drove them all out, I, 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 the reason I think maybe it was just a, a small whip and he just was, you know, letting the cows know you need to get moving, letting the sheep know you need to get moving, uh, is because more than likely, if it had been, if it had been driving everybody out like this, um, the temple guards or maybe even the Romans would have been summoned and Perhaps he would have been arrested at that point in time. Uh, he did, no doubt, turn over the tables of the merchants, though. That's very clear in the text. He claimed the temple as his father's house. Now, later on in the Gospel of John, I think starting in John chapter 5, perhaps, and especially in John chapter 8 and, and onward, when he refers to himself as the Son of God or God the Son in any way, when he intimates that he is uh, special in his relationship to the Heavenly Father, uh, they attempt to put him to death. They try to figure out a way to kill him. Here, maybe they just interpret, I must, uh, he claimed the temple is his father's house. Maybe they just thought he was calling God Father like any good Jewish man would have called God. He's my Father, like you and I say he's our Heavenly Father. So maybe they didn't uh, understand fully what he was saying. Uh, at any rate, his rebuke of the practices was more than obvious and he cleansed the temple. The remembered prophecy in verse 17, then his disciples remembered the prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. Perhaps, perhaps they were remembering Psalm 69, 9, uh, which said, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up and the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen upon me. Now the text is not clear if the disciples remembered and applied this prophetic scripture at that moment or if it was a time later on after the resurrection, but definitely John 2, 22 says, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So many times he would make reference to his impending death and they wouldn't connect it. Uh, they just somehow couldn't connect the dots and, and they couldn't comprehend of this Messiah, the king, the, the one who's going to liberate us the one who's going to set up his kingdom and drive the Romans out. They couldn't understand that he was going to have to die. But after the fact, they said, you know, I remember what he said. 
he said this was going to happen. Jesus' cleansing of the temple testifies to his concern for pure worship and a right relationship with God. We worship God not only in, in physically and audibly and so we, in spirit and in truth. We worship God in spirit and in truth, pure worship, a right relationship with God, uh, and this is, this is the supreme requirement. So uh, it's a focal point of relationship between God and man. Worship is just giving praises to God. It's letting words fall out, giving honor and glory unto him. It's what is meant by the phrase Hosanna on that, first, on that Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. Praise God. Praise the Lord. The Jewish proposition is seen in verse 18. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? Remember, he's driving everybody out, getting, wrecking the, turning the tables over, telling the people that was get out of here. The Jewish leaders said, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this now, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. If you're who you claim to be, if you're who you're representing yourself to be, then do some miracle so that we can know for sure that you're from God. The Jews who confront Jesus now are doubtless either the temple authorities or representatives of the Sanhedrin. They're demanding a sign. You remember what that is in Greek, that word simeon, that, that supernatural sign, the, the fingerprint of God all over something that Jesus is doing? Uh, that's that simeon to, to justify his actions, his credentials, that he said who he was, was the, were the miracles he performed. So they said, okay, if you really have authority to do this, if you really are who you say you are, if you have a right to, to cleanse the temple, then do, the, do a miracle. Show us a sign gift so we'll know that you have the right. And by the way, they had every right to question the credentials of someone who came in and affected the workings of the temple. If somebody came in here and started doing something different here, I would have something to say about it. I would hope I wouldn't be like the Jews here in this case. Uh, and, and if it were something of God, I would hope I would figure that out pretty quickly. But they had a right to say, well, what are you doing? But, but there are two problems with their questioning what Jesus was doing. There are two problems. First of all, they didn't ponder if his actions were just. They didn't think, well, you know what? Maybe he's right. Let's talk about this. Let's think about it. Maybe we shouldn't have all this commerce going on in here. Maybe we shouldn't have turned the temple courtyard into a place of business and transactions and money changing and, and, and convenience and, and a form of godliness, but no power thereof. Maybe, maybe there's something to what he's doing, something to what he's saying. They're less concerned with pure worship and a right approach to God than they were with questions of precedent and authority. They, precedent and authority meant everything. Tradition meant everything. Now, some of you have come out of another denomination or a denomination, and tradition is strong. Traditions can be good. Traditions can be bad. When traditions line up with the Word of God, they're excellent. When traditions line up with man's reasoning and are in contrary to the Word of God, tradition's bad. Somebody talked about, I, I'm, I've been a member of this, whatever church it was, I've been a member of this church. 
for 45 years. My Aunt Susie's buried in the backyard. It wasn't a gospel preaching church. My Aunt Susie's buried out in the back behind the church. I'm not going to leave as long as Aunt Susie's here. I said, well, dig her up and take her somewhere else, folks. <laughs> Go somewhere where the gospel is preached. If you, it's not here, then it's somewhere. God's got somewhere for you. It doesn't have to be here. We, we, we got a few seats, but not, not a whole bunch of them. But find somewhere where the gospel's preached, not where, where tradition is everything. And here, they didn't wonder, well, is, is there anything to what he's saying here? Let's, let's be a little introspective about that. What, what, what is there about First Baptist Church? What is there about our worship that maybe is traditional or, or in some way uh, is, is, you know, precedent has been set and we don't deviate, but we should maybe? So that's the first question, first problem with their question. Second was this. If the authorities had been convinced that Jesus was merely some hooligan causing havoc in the temple yard or that he was emotionally unstable, there would have been adequate recourses. Uh, But the fact is they asked him for a simeon. They asked him for a miracle, which, which stop and think about it. If, if they asked him for a miracle, they had to at least think he was sane and reasonable. Or maybe they had heard some of the stories about what Jesus had done, about a blind man who could see, about a lame man who could walk, about a dead man who was able to get up from his funeral pyre and walk around. Maybe they, maybe they said, you know, wonder if there's something to this. Show us a miracle. Maybe they suspected, or some of them did, that they were dealing with a heaven-sent prophet of God. Now, Jesus wasn't about to be manipulated by them or anyone else, but we see Jesus prophesied proof. I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way. Actually, until I studied this, I'd never looked at it this way. Verse 19, all right, Jesus responded, all right, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. You want a Simeon? All right, we're on. Put up or shut up. Jesus wouldn't have said that, right? But I would have. Aren't you glad I wasn't? Yeah, so, yeah. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. His very answer was a sign. You do what I just told you I'll do, what I just told you I will do. The Jews were stumped. They didn't know what to think. They were flabbergasted. They took him literally at his word and were looking around at the temple saying, Are you kidding me? It took 46 years to build the temple, and you're going to build it back. If we tear it down, you're going to build it back in three days? And by the way, they weren't about to tear the temple down, but that was the... Jesus said, all right, you want a sign? Here it is, buddy. Again, he wouldn't have said buddy. But anyhow, if they had torn it down, preacher, what, what do you think would happen? If they had torn it down... I believe Jesus could have put it back together again in three days because that's the kind of Jesus I serve. He is all-powerful. He is God the Son and the Son of God. He would have given So here's the Simeon. Guys, you want to you put me to the test? Go ahead and put me to the test. He, and by the fact that he offered this Simeon to them, he also ha- said, in effect, I have the authority to regulate the temple's practices because it's my father's house. Verse 20. I like the NLT. What? What? They exclaimed. 
taken 46 years to build the temple. You can rebuild it in three days. And Jesus said this, but when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. They didn't know that. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered, there's that verse again, uh, that he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Of course, the text makes it certain that the primary interpretation was he meant, if you destroy this temple of my body, I'll raise it up again in three days. But I just have enough faith to believe he could have done it for the whole Jewish temple if, if they had done their part. But by the way, destroying a temple or other place of worship was a capital offense in the Greco-Roman world. So it carried a sentence of death. If someone destroyed a temple, it carried. So they were in a real dilemma. He kind of put them in their place. Later, this charge of destroying the temple would be used against him. Later on, when he's in trial, one of many illegal trials that went on in the Holy Week, when false witnesses accused Jesus of threatening to tear down the temple, which he didn't threaten to tear down the temple. He said, if you, if you tear it down, I'll, build, I'll rebuild it. But they lied, and the Jews assumed he meant the physical temple. Their testimonies did not agree. They couldn't get their testimony against him, uh, their lying testimony, to agree, and so they, those testimonies were discarded. Still, the Jewish authorities managed to get, as we'll find out in the Walk of the Cross, the first station right here, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the, the trial before Pilate. The Jewish authorities managed to get Rome's okay to issue a death warrant for Jesus the Christ. So he who rode in on the fall, fall of a donkey who had never been ridden before and was celebrated to be the Messiah within just a few short days would go from hero to zero. By the way, that's how fast things can happen. Go from hero to zero. You can be on a mountaintop one day and in the deepest, darkest valley you've ever been in in your life the next day. And God who's God when you're on the mountaintop is God who's God when you're in the deepest, darkest valley. We forget that sometimes. I do. Sometimes we don't see it. We don't keep it in front of us but he would be condemned. Good Friday is the day we remember for the crucifixion of our Lord. There's some controversy. Was it Thursday? Was it Wednesday? Was it three days, three nights? It happened. Whenever it happened, it happened. And Good Friday's the day, so it's not good because of what happened, because he was nailed to the cross. It was good in the sense of being holy and pious like the good book. We talk about the Bible being the good book, so it was good Friday because of Jesus being holy and pious. It was also good because it led to an event called the resurrection. Had another funeral Saturday. Last two Saturdays have had funeral each day. One of them for a 23-year-old young man. One of them for a 92, 93, I can't remember an elderly woman. What if it weren't for the resurrection? What would I tell those people? Family, I know you miss your loved one. It's just really sad. We'll never be able to see them again. Just cherish your memories. Hold on to your memories. They're gone. 
not a lot of comfort in that. But how about this? Guess what? He or she's with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're already, she's already reunited, no doubt, with her husband of 68, 70 years, whatever it was. And, and you know what? Her son who preceded her, she's, I bet they've already embraced. I bet they've already had a talk. And guess what? You can be there with them one day. And guess what? When we go there, there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more heartache, no more heartbreak, no more problems, no more income taxes, no more... No more corrupt politicians. No more, I better be careful. It'll all be perfect. The righteous king will rule. God is our God. It's good because we can live forever in a sinless state. Who was we talked, this, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Robert, we were talking about that. I went up to him and said, hey, we got homeless people here today. He says, yep, you're right. All our stuff's packed up somewhere, homeless. But you know what? We've all got a home in heaven if we trust in Christ as our personal Savior. Good Friday, better Sunday. Huh? Good Friday, better Sunday. Because on the first day of the week, my Savior rose from the dead. We'll celebrate that next week, but this week we celebrate his death. Celebrate his death? Is that the right way to... Saturday, we didn't celebrate Eileen's death. We celebrated her life. But Jesus told us, remember his death. And we do so with the communion elements. But first of all, would you bow your heads with me, please? Do you have a certainty that when you breathe your last breath on this earth, that you'll be in God's heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, life without end. If you don't know that, today you can know that. Because the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that we're sinners, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Exercise faith in what Jesus did for us in dying, being buried, and rising again. Father, I pray for every person, every man, every woman, every young person listening to this message today. Oh, God, eternity is forever, ever, and ever. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict people right now who need you. And I pray if there's someone here that's not sure they're saved, that today would be the day when they get born again. And if you'd like to be that person with every head bowed, you can just pray this prayer and mean it. Be sincere about it. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die and stand before you one day. I believe Jesus Christ was your son, that he died on the cross and was buried. And I believe he rose again after three days. And this morning, right where I'm seated, I beg you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins, to be the master of my life, to rule and reign over my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. I trust you 
and you alone right now. Keep your heads bowed for a moment. If you just prayed that prayer or something like that, would you raise your hand up real high as a testimony? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Other others, thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Anyone else besides these? Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I meant it with all my heart, sincere as I know how to be. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, we rejoice. We thank you for these who prayed that prayer. Now, Lord, there may be some of us whose hearts are like the temple courtyard 2,000 years ago. Maybe there's stuff there. We know it's wrong, but we just haven't driven it out yet. Lord, we need you to drive it out for us. We need you to help us, Lord, to cleanse our heart, to wash us clean, to forgive, not only forgive us, but cleanse us, bathe us from all unrighteousness. If that's your desire, would you pray something like this? Dear God, I know that I have sins in my heart and my life. I believe I'm your child. I know some things are there that don't belong there. And you've convicted me about them, and I've ignored that conviction. God, help me to drive those things out of my heart. Drive those things that don't honor you out of my life. To be clean and forgiven right now in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed for another moment more, if you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand up and hold it up for just a moment? God bless you, folks. God bless you. Several. God bless you. Thank you. Our Father, now we're grateful and thankful for the blessings that are ours. We pray, God, that you would bless this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask you all to take just a few moments to examine. The Bible says examine your own heart. And as we get ready to pass out elements to anyone who does not have those already, um, you take a few moments just to make sure everything's right. If you don't have the elements, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and raise your hand. David, would you help with this on this side over here? Thank you. Thank you very much. Just keep, raise your hands up if you do not have the elements and you would like to have those right now.
that Jesus was about to be betrayed with a kiss from Judas. Before that happened, at the Passover meal, he took the unleavened bread, which is typical of the sinless body of Christ. And the Bible says, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father, your blessings are what we ask upon this bread as we consume it in a symbolic representation of receiving you and your sacrificial death into our lives. Father, thank you for giving your son to die for us. And Jesus, thank you for giving your life to die for us. In Jesus' name, amen. He then reached for the cup. After the same manner, also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. So the cup was a picture of the shed blood of Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Christ copiously shed his blood, sufficient for the entire world that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our Father, we pray your blessings upon the cup, and we realize it's a representation of your son's blood that was shed on the cross, and even before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we'll learn next week, and in other places and other times, and those few hours that led up to his crucifixion. Lord, he poured out his life, and for the first time ever, was separated from his heavenly Father. Lord, he bore upon himself all our sins. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. He took it and he said, take you, drink you all of it. The Bible says they sang a hymn and went out into the garden where he would agonize. But what we do is we join hands together as much as humanly possible, as much as you are comfortable doing so. And we sing a chorus together. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let's stand, join hands as much as possible, and let's sing this chorus. Palm Sunday. See you all, Lord willing, Friday for Good Friday, 3.30 here at the church, and then Sunday at either 8.30 or 10.15. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day.